Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Hello, Church Line. How are you doing today? We continue our Living Like Jesus series with our one and only Rob Allen, who is on the league team here at C3 Church, talking about generosity. Now this man, I've seen him and how he lives his life in church and outside of life, uh, outside of church, sorry, and he lives so generously. And so many times I felt inspired by him to live like how he leads. And so he is definitely the right person to speak to us today about generosity. So sit back and enjoy as we continue our Church Line exclusive series, Living Like Jesus. Hi there, my name is Rob Allen and it is really great to be sharing with you today as part of the new online series. I'm part of the team here at C3 and I am excited to share about the whole area and concept of generosity. You know, if you have been around C3 for even a relatively short period of time, I'm sure you will hopefully have heard and experienced our values, which are Christ-centred, cause-driven and community-focused. You have? Cool, that's great. Excellent, so we can move on. Each of those values are broken down into three components parts. And it's from one of those today that I'm gonna share. Within our Christ-centered value is the value of generosity. Jesus was extravagantly generous and he is our example. You know, generosity is one of those things that I think we'd probably all say we value, but how that practically outworks in our life can be a different story. If you open the pages of the Gospels in the Bible and we meet Jesus, he is radically generous, void of worry, and talks a lot about connecting our wealth and possessions all the time. Do you know there's 2,350 verses in the Bible that reference money, wealth, or possessions? And we're going to go through all of those today. Actually, we're not but I will share a few with you if I may. Let's look at them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Flipping further in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches Choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And then a bit further on in Matthew, chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, this is the parable with the rich young man. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, many of us are like that rich man. Because in verse 22, it tells us, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. If we flip into Luke's gospel, chapter 12, and verses 22 to 34, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And you know, we are all disciples or striving to be disciples of Jesus. So this is for us. 
And in my Bible, this section is headed up, do not be anxious. So let's listen to what Jesus has to say here. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither reap nor sow. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you can be anxious, by being anxious, add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more would he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you, you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek those things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And finally, he says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So, why did Jesus talk about generosity so much? What are we missing when it comes to giving? How could we better understand and respond to that biblical message of generosity? In the next few minutes we have together, I will try and answer some of these questions and maybe a few more. So are you ready? Let's grab a notebook, get your electronic device, however you take notes, and let's get going. First of all, we need to go back to the beginning. Since the beginning of the story, humanity has been confronted with a lie. That what God has given isn't enough, and so we need to take it for ourselves. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You know, it's very similar today. In our society, 
culture constantly bombards us with messages that are designed to make us feel deprived, deprived of stuff, stuff that can result in selfishness and covetousness. How can we overcome this scarcity or poverty mindset? I read a book by author Randy Alcorn, and he shares this intriguing insight relating to this question. God's grace is the lightning, and our giving is the thunder. Just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace. But it is impossible to have a deep understanding of God's grace and to not give. I've heard it put another way. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about that. I'll say that again. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think of the actual act of radical generosity. It's easy to view it as an obligation rather than an opportunity, or a huge thunderous clap in response to God's grace. Moving on, when we choose to hold on to our resources, we lose more than we think we gain. A weak perspective on generosity dams the river of God's grace in and through our lives. If we don't understand grace, then what is the substance of our Christian faith? Perhaps this is why Jesus spent so much time talking about topics surrounding generosity. Generosity is a rebellious act against our culture. By it, we say no to scarcity or poverty mindset and say yes to Jesus, who says we are enough and we have enough. And this allows God's grace to flow freely through our lives and through us to others. When we realise the depth of God's grace in our lives, we can confidently say, I have everything. Therefore, I am free to give everything. So where do we go from here? How can we make the journey towards generosity? I'm going to share the three practical steps that you might find helpful in this journey. Number one, we need to join the conversation. The first step towards generosity is to start talking about it with the community that we trust. Jesus tell, does refer in Matthew 6, chapter 4, to giving in secret. But it also says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that you may give glory to God. In other words, if your giving is about self-righteousness, then keep it to yourself. But don't miss out on accountability and conversations surrounding generosity with others, since these can provide a greater understanding of God's grace. Point two, let's be ready and available. You know, generosity extends beyond our finances. We can adopt a posture of making ourselves ready and available to God with everything. That includes our time, our talents, and our treasure, our money, our resources, our stuff. You know, a helpful practice could be to ask God throughout the day, what do you want me to do with everything you've entrusted to me? When we acknowledge that nothing is ours, that God has entrusted it to us to steward, it helps us position ourselves with a listening posture at all times, ready to be a conduit of God's grace in this world. My third point is we need to maintain perspective. 
In the concluding story of John's Gospel, chapter 21, Jesus instructed the disciples to cast their nets to the other side of the boat after they'd had a really unsuccessful night of fishing. They arrived to the shore with a record catch of fish, only to find Jesus already there with a fire, charcoal, full of fish. And what Jesus says next is quite surprising. In verse 10, it says, Bring me some of the fish you have just caught. Why do we think that Jesus emphasises that they caught fish when really it was his miracle? Why does Jesus ask them to bring him fish when clearly breakfast is already going to happen no matter what? As the disciples move into the next phase of the biblical narrative, preaching the good news, their interaction with Jesus shaped their perspective in a significant way. God is going to accomplish what he sets out to do with or without us. But we're invited to join what he is doing and take a seat at his table. We need to maintain this same perspective in our giving. Often we see ourselves as the initiators of God's work because of our giving. But God invites us to see ourselves as responders to God's grace. When we carry this perspective, we begin to understand Jesus' words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So where have we landed? Giving is a rebellious act against our culture that flows from an understanding of God's grace and leads to abundant life. Generosity is not just about stuff anyway. The Apostle Paul instructed people to live generously. In his writings to Timothy, which I would encourage you to, to read, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, he says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You know, we are tempted to think we'd be happy when we've accumulated enough. But the biblical story consistently emphasises the life we truly desire comes when we give, not when we consume or hoard. Experience seems to confirm this truth. Have you ever met an unhappy, generous person? Once you start giving, you really don't want to stop. So let me bring us to a close. I want to bring us right back to Jesus. You know, right at the beginning, I talked about C3's values and that Jesus was extravagantly generous, that he is our example. But Jesus was also the ultimate gift, a gift from God to mankind. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we read, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because of his love, he willingly did died for us. This is good news. But there is also even better news. In John 3.16, we read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I'll read that again. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's the better news. The gift of eternal life from God is completely free. This is the ultimate act of generosity, deeply rooted in love. You know, for some of you online today, you might be thinking, I'm really not quite sure if I've received this gift of eternal life. And I'd really like you to have an opportunity now to respond to this message and to call out to God by praying a prayer of commitment. Or if you are coming back to Jesus, a prayer of recommitment. So why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I give you my life today. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today I make you the Lord and leader of my life. Forgive me for my self-centered living. From this day onwards, I will put you first in my life. Thank you for accepting me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that for the first time today, or by way of coming back to Jesus, then please do let us know. Put a comment in the chat, or get in contact with our online team. It's been super great to be able to share with you today and I really look forward to meeting you again. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.